Electricast. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. Friends, I am so excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about, well, I mean, as always, we're going to talk about 1,000 things. And (laughs) I have someone today who is an expert in something that I know is an experience and is coming up for many of us and has throughout our lives, but we might be experiencing it from a different lens through this time of transition through perimenopause and menopause. So today, please welcome Ani Papazian, who is a pain resolution specialist with three decades of expertise, is dedicated to empowering individuals to take control of their health and live pain. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, Lisa. Happy to be here. Hello, everyone. Can I also just tell a funny story from when we first met from our quick meeting that we had earlier? Always. Always. (laughs) So so, Ani arrived and we were having this conversation and behind her were all pictures and I was looking at them and one I got really distracted by and I was like, is that a picture of you with Janet Jackson? (laughs) (laughs) And then your response was... Yes, I was her massage therapist. I did her world tour in 98, 99. I traveled with her. I call it my paid vacation, where it was the most amazing experience. I was fortunate enough to be her massage therapist, and I did her world tour. So, um, you know, it was just a magnificent time for me since I love to travel and working with her. And from what I heard, because that was my only tour, um, I was told that her tour was one of the best because of her managers, how organized it was. Because we hear some horror stories from other tours. So when that finished, and actually I, I uh, got got an opportunity maybe to go on a tour with Alanis Morissette, I'm like, I don't want to do anything else because I want to have this only experience, amazing experience, and that's it. Yeah. When we have those really transformative experiences that just feel so like they just feel so good and juicy in your body. Right. And you don't want anything that will shift to that reality. So I I can hear that and understand that. But um, you have a fascinating life. This is only one one piece of it. (laughs) And so tell us, who are you and how did life introduce you to this version? Well, I, you know, I consider myself very fortunate because all my life I have done everything uh, my way. I'm the little, I don't know, you call it rebel. My parents call it the black sheep. I don't know. I call it living my life, you know, uh, with my own terms. Mm -hmm. Some was good decisions, some stupid decisions, but hey, it was mine. So I couldn't point a finger at anyone. But I'm just so grateful. And 
you know, I started my life with honestly just fresh finished college. A year later with my family, we moved to U.S., uh, learning English because English was not one of my languages, learning the culture of America compared to Armenia day and night, learning how to make friends and trying to figure out what career am I going to do after reinstating my diploma. It was purely being pissed off how people look at pain resolution in this country. You know, just like, no, you don't have to learn to live with that. It's not just because you're in your 40s or 50s. It's not normal for you to have pain. So do not say, come into like, oh, this is just how it is. It's like, no, it's not. There are solutions out there. Try to figure out, find that solution. If you're going to have to talk to 1,000 people, talk to 1,000 people and find a solution. You know? Yeah. And that's what made me get really, and also, you know, I don't call it luck because I call it uh, happy coincidences. Like when the people you're supposed to meet, you know, in life, you just, they come into your life. I love the saying, you know, people come into your life for a season, for a reason, or for a lifetime. So sometimes people, you just need to learn from them or they, the connection. So I came across with the several very happy coincidences that some amazing doctors and practitioners that created some unique pain relief techniques, and I learned from them and then created my own approach to it. And that's how I came about, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, that's, um, so when I ask that question, not many people answer it with, and, and I'm going to consolidate a little bit and tell me if it's not quite right, but the leader of your own life. Yes, I love that. Right? Yeah. Like you have shown up as the leader of your own life. And what a powerful response to the question. I'm getting emotional. Sorry. To the question, who am I? When we can show up to it with, I am the leader. That is how we walk into this space of, like you said, happy coincidences, only not. They're, they're a result of your intentions, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you show up as the leader and you intend something, then the force of your self-leadership is um, actually I've been working around the, the word, the use of the word force. It's like the love, the love of your self-leadership yeah. is attracting those humans to you. And so how perfect when you are able to show up in that place of wholeness and self-leadership to be able to shine a light on pain. Yes. Right. Because I'm interested to know, like one, what is your definition of pain? And what are some of the, in your expertise and experience, what are some of the root causes of pain? Okay. So generally, you know, pain is, there is the acute pain and there is a chronic pain, which I want to say that chronic pain is considered anything that you have um, on and off, like for three month period, that's considered chronic pain, three months and above. 
Acute pain is you fell, you picked out something funny, you did the wrong move. Um, right now, currently, actually, I am in chronic pain because about two months ago, well, it's coming, then it's going to be longer. I tore a meniscus mm. and um, I'm dealing with that. And first time for in a long time, because I was a professional athlete, so I'm not you know, I know what pain is because I've had shoulder injury. I've had ankle sprains, several, but pain is the body's way of telling you, pay attention. Something's off. Mm -hmm. It's just, which is a good thing. You don't want to numb it. You don't want to cut it up. Like, you know, in some instances, doctors say, we're just going to cut off that nerve. So you don't feel the pain. You're not fixing. You're just cutting off my body's message saying, I'm in pain. Like, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully yeah. I answered that question. Yeah. And I think um, the distinction also between uh, acute pain and chronic pain is, re is really important. And, and I think there's some really interesting space to look at here around the action of physical acute pain when it happens and then the resulting or or maybe pre-existing pain emotionally and spiritually and how those things all come together and interact right so like you were saying yeah it's the body needs to feel pain because it is the signal to our human selves to like hey stop doing that or, or, oh, oh, this thing happened. This was bad. We need to get some help for this. Right. Exactly. And you're right. Yeah. Like our society's answer has been, okay, we're going to numb this. Right. We're actually, we're just not going to feel yeah. it. And also, you know, with the, our Western uh, traditional medical approach to chronic pain and acute pain is pretty much the same. Right. It's exactly the same. It's like, no, you cannot approach both. They are completely different. Your chronic pain, especially for people that have been in pain for months, for years, there's so many structural changes in your brain. Even your brain chemistry changes. How your mm -hmm. body perceives pain, how your body reacts to the pain um, symptoms, the pain stimulation the sensory, how your body senses that pain becomes completely different than if I drop something on my foot and I'm like in pain right now, yeah. you know? And so that two different approaches, unfortunately, it's not met in our traditional Western medicine. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I mean, when I think it practically, when something happens that causes me pain immediately, like the story has been coming up frequently lately, and I'm not sure why, but clearly there's something bubbling under the surface. But years ago, when my children were little, I was rushing, I was rushing in the morning. And I, I slipped coming down the stairs. Mm -hmm. And my leg came out and went straight into a door jam. And on my left foot, these three toes were like destroyed Ooh. by the force of that. So in that instance, I am grateful that there was some pain medication 
because that was an acute moment of like, oh shit, this was was bad. This was really bad. I was actually laying on the floor and my husband came down and I could see him going to my foot and he was going to take my sock off. And I was like, don't do it. Don't take off the sock. It's going to be really bad. And it was, it was terrible. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's, I can imagine. Um, When it comes to long-term pain, and when I'm listening to you talk about how the neural, our neural pathways change and our brain chemistry changes, I'm like, "Mm." and I have had this pain that goes down from my neck, down through my shoulder for, since pre-COVID. And I know that there is an intersection of physical pain because when I'm lifting weights and I'm using my traps, I'm like, oh, I've, I've done something there. But I also know that there is um, a home of emotional and spiritual pain that's living in here as well. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you are working with clients who are coming to you with that kind of long-term pain and maybe have been numbing it, for a long time. How do you start sort of working through that narrative so that you can get to the root of what's actually happening there? Yeah. So um, I love that question because I do see usually clients end up in my office after they have been to several different doctors or several different practitioners. So one of the first things is I want to find out when the pain started. You know, was there actual an event that happened? It could be because I'm looking at, okay, was there like a trauma injury or was there, would they say, no, it just all of a sudden happened. And then my brain goes, could this be emotional? Mm-hmm. Was there anything going on in your life at that time? You know, would it be whatever emotional event? Because like mm-hmm. you said, that could be a contributing factor. But once I do uh, the hands-on part is I'm checking there's autonomic nervous system, meaning the brain-body connection. Because sometimes, especially if it's been around for a long time, could have been that they had a, let's say, car accident 10, 15 years ago. That upregulation of their sympathetic nervous system, the fight, flight, and freeze system, could stay upregulated for a long, long time. So sometimes when I go to touch the person and palpate and all of a sudden they withdraw or they're like, oh, no, I'm ticklish. I know they've been at this level. Right. Upregulated that they're running sympathetically. Their adrenals are just burning constantly. So then I would either teach them a technique or I walk them through a technique or I'll do the technique myself. And then go back and check again, and you should see their face. They're like, are you touching the same spot? Or like, how did that happen? So my first thing is reestablishing their downregulating their um, you know sympathetic nervous system, bringing their calming relaxation parasympathetic nervous system, bringing it up. So that will actually calm their body. That would allow the body, because, you know, our body is so smart. Given the right circumstances, it would heal itself. So just doing that, it allowed the body, it's like, okay, now I can do my thing. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. 
Yeah, that's that is so powerful. And I'm and I'm also hearing the Western academic voice behind me, right? Where when we say given the right circumstances, the body can actually heal itself. I know that to be true. Right? Like when I listen to that in my heart, I know that to be true. And there is a complex interplay between these activated nervous systems that we have mm-hmm. that are being fed by that Western medicine of like, no, the body cannot heal itself. That is that is inaccurate. And these are the treatments that we have to do, which is part of the pathologi- pathologization of pain and all of the other things that we experience, including menopause and perimenopause, right? That that has also been pathologized rather than recognized as a really beautiful transformation. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, as soon as you said that beautiful transformation, and I wish I knew um, there are some cultures that embrace that. It's actually, it's, it, they have a whole ceremonies that women go through it. And that's a beautiful thing. But yes. here's, you know, I hear so many times women that are like, oh my God, I'm in menopause. I'm like old. I don't want to go through menopause. And I'm thinking, oh my God, that's just like another stage. And it's a freaking beautiful stage. <laughs> yes. You know? But yeah, like you said, a lot of times the Western medicine or it's just the society as a culture, because we look at women after, after menopause that, oh, you can't have child anymore. You're maybe not attractive anymore. It's like, no, you're more confident. You can have physical, whatever, sexual activity anywhere, anytime without worrying about it. You know, <laughs> yes. how cool is that? Like it's a beautiful thing. I just, I just love it. Yes, it is a beautiful thing. And while you're talking, I was putting the pieces together of like so much of our existence. And I'm, I would imagine, and I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to speak to this that there's a real connection to that to the pain that we experience. Also, is that we are living in bodies that we don't feel ownership of anymore, right? When we come into that phase of childbearing years, it's like we give our bodies over to purpose. Hmm. It's this, like our purpose now is creating human life. And I remember having this sort of realization when I was giving, when I was giving birth, because I am in the, I'm in this room and sudden, like I am on full display for everyone to see and people are just coming in and out. And I was like, oh, my body is public domain. Suddenly, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) I no longer have humanity. (laughs) My body is public domain, which we're seeing play out in some really, really scary ways currently. And when you don't feel ownership in your own body, how can you possibly take ownership and power over the pain that you're feeling? Does that make any sense to you? Well, um, in some sense, because I never wanted to have a child, I opted out. But I was in a room when my sister was having my nephew. I had my legs crossed the whole time. And I said, 
I can't imagine anyone voluntarily want to have a second child after this. When I saw my nephew come out and then my sisters or, you know, my friends are like, you forget the pain. I'm like, I didn't go through it. And just remembering what my sister went through because her epidural didn't work. They had mm-hmm. to give her three times and then it was too much. So she started the shakes and she lost control of her legs. So I'm holding one her her legs. Her stepmother-in-law is holding her other leg so she can push. And then her husband with the camera is <laughs> Yeah. It's like, and it was like, oh my God. Like every teenager should be in this room watching that. He would be the best sex prevention ever. <laughs> He was, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that connection of the pain, the pain that we experience as we are ushering new life into the world. In the in the Western culture and the way we experience it, it is all of our agency is taken away. Right. So how how we are able to listen to, to care for the needs of our body, um, all of those, all of those elements are removed because we're told that this is not a natural, it's not a natural process and you need medical intervention to have to have this human. And yet that's not the reality. Well, you know, I mean, I'm glad we do have the technology, the medical intervention, because imagine in the old days, how many deaths, uh, you know, unnecessary deaths happened. But um, interesting, I used to have a client and her first child she had in a hospital, the regular epidural and everything. Her second one, she decided to have at home in a pool with a doula. And I watched the video and she said she could have 10 more children like that. It was the easiest childbirth than in the the one in a hospital. Of course, everyone's experience is very different. Oh, totally. My sisters, um, my nephew, since I was there, when she went to hospital, I went right away and I was trained to do infant, I mean, um, um, labor massage, because I used to do infant massage. I used to teach parents labor massage, like partners labor massage. So when my sister was in the hospital, she was four centimeter dilated. I'm doing the labor massage. And I said, well, this can take for several hours. Let me go grocery store, get something to eat. I walked literally half a block. My brother-in-law calls me, she's 10 centimeter dilated. Like Within six hours, she had my nephew. Yes. It was the easiest, like really quick. It happened. Yeah. But I hear some women, they go 48 hours or whatever, you know, in Mm. labor. And that's, that's so hard on your body. Yeah, it's very hard. And this is one of those places where duality is really necessary in conversation, right? Because there are like, I am one of those women who would be dead. If there were not medical interventions, I had to have after late with my first child, um, my blood pressure was really high just before I went into labor. I was induced. 
I labored for the whole day. I started pushing and then my contractions stopped. Wow. And so then it was an emergency C-section, right? So um, my, my pelvis is not meant it, it it's my design quirk I suppose as a woman but my pelvis really doesn't have the capacity for flowing a child through it mm. so I am one of those people who would be dead were it not for medical intervention so a hundred percent I totally agree with you and also how do we find respectful ways for 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 that to be and I still think I am like, I am the exception, right? Those medical interventions are often the exception. And, and how do we make those spaces for women to like this experience to know that and pain is part of that cycle. And when we listen to our body, which almost always tells us how to process it, mm-hmm then it can actually flow through us and be productive, right? Then it becomes a force that we can use to move through it. Agree, agree, yeah. Um, You know, interestingly, you said your body um, is not kind of designed to have a child, you know, go through a birth canal. I just met a woman on the plane when we were flying from Spain and we were talking, and I don't know how the conversation went to that childbirth, she said her first two children were C-sections, and then she had a natural childbirth. Mm. It's most of the time is unheard of, because from what I've heard, once you do a C-section, that's it. Everything, every other child followed has to be C-section. Um, yeah, so that also that's also interesting. So it depends. Right. There are, it's called a VBAC, which is vaginal birth after cesarean section. So it's totally possible. In my case, I am forever grateful to the OBGYN that I saw the second time. And I also had midwives. So the my heart belongs to the midwives in the midwife community because their, nevel, ne, their knowledge and level of care around how the female body functions yeah. is so completely different right so they're like that their approach to pain is that like we're going to use this as oh as the as what you need as the fuel you need to move through this right um but they understand they have this level of understanding of the body that doesn't exist necessarily in the medical community so i had a second c-section because my children were born very close together So less than two years and the surgeon who had done my first (laughs) C-section, we're getting in the weeds of all the medical stuff now, but, um, had only done a single layer of clothes of muscle of the muscle tissue where the stand, like the newer research was showing that a double layer of sutures is going to be, um, have better outcome around not having uterine rupture. So I was at high risk because of the closeness and the single layer of uterine rupture. And so I didn't want to play with that. And having some knowledge of my body structure also, like I also don't have the breast tissue to breastfeed or like my, it just doesn't create milk. So there's some, there are some structural elements in my body that are like, hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's possible. But when we think about, the fear that exists 
around pain and what might happen, there's a really strong understanding for why those choices are made. Exactly. And um, like you said, you know, our body is such an amazingly designed thing that if you get in tune with your body, listen to those messages, it pretty much tells you what needs to be done. Like you said, you know, it just pretty much tells you what needs to be done. And that's one of the reasons um, I love doing, you know, public speaking. And so I can share the information with people that be your own advocate, educate yourself so you can make informed decisions. You know, gotta tell you, when I went, I usually don't go to doctor because I order my own blood work. I look at my own blood work. I have the all the tools to deal when I'm in pain. But my knee for like two months was really hurting. I'm like, I need to know what happened. Like it's, I'm having symptoms. It's, it seems like, you know, it's a bone bruise, but it also could be a tear. Like I need to know. So when I went to see this doctor, first of all, she comes and she palpates my knee like I'm made out of gloves. I'm like, you can actually really palpate because you're not going to feel anything with just doing this. Mm-hmm. And then she says, well, I can write you prescription for painkillers and an injection. And I'm saying, injection for what? You don't know what it is. I need an x-ray and an MRI. She goes, no, go uh, take a painkiller for about a month. If it doesn't go away, come back. Now, if it was someone like a regular you know, person that doesn't know how the body function or hasn't done what I've been doing, they would probably say, yeah, give me the painkillers and an injection. And injection would be, it may work, it may not work because you don't know where you're going to be injecting for what. So I went back, I called, made another appointment, requested different doctor. And this doctor, she was amazing. She goes, right away, I'm going to do emergency x-ray and MRI. We need to see what's going on. Yes. I went, did the x-ray. The every, x-ray was everything fine, no fractures. My bone density is great. MRI, complete meniscus tear, bone bruise, and bacon. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. So now I know, okay, this is what's going on and, you know, future action steps. I'm never going to do surgery or anything because I have the tools to deal with it, but at least I know exactly what I'm dealing with. But that's the thing is like teaching people, be very proactive, your own health. Ask questions. Just because they're doctor doesn't mean they're really good doctor. Or, you know, you don't have to question what they're saying or what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I can tell you in this 30 years how many times I've had doctor patients who came in with the wrong diagnosis. It happens yeah. all the time. 
Yes. So. Yeah, because we're hum- we're humans, right? We we're humans and we make mistakes. And um, I think what you were getting into there was really important. So, like the difference between treating something on the surface level, right, so that the symptoms go away, rather than actually getting to the structural issue that's happening. So, for people, and what you said about advocacy is so important, right? We kind of. There's a, there's a theme of letting go of control here happening in our conversation, but often when we enter into the medical system, that's what we do, right? Because we feel like, um, our knowledge base is not in, is not medical. So I'm going to give over my power and my agency because I don't feel like I know enough in this situation. And I'm going to listen to you without question and I'll do what you need to do, what you want, what you need me to do. So what are the most important questions that people can ask to advocate for themselves when they're in a situation like that? You know, one of the biggest things is the, like children, when they're younger, they're the why, you know, they constantly ask you why drive you crazy? Because I remember my niece and nephew, like, just because I said so. (laughs) You know, it's, you know, ask why. Like, I can tell you how many clients I have before they go see their regular doctors, they call me, they're like, because, you know, doctors are so busy. They go in and out of the room just a few minutes. They don't have the time. If you don't ask them the right questions, you're not going to get the answers. So sometimes the client will say, okay, I'm going to see. I have, this is the reason I'm going to see. What questions can I ask? So you can like ask them the right questions, you know. But if if the doctor doesn't have the time to spend with you or they get annoyed because you're asking questions, find a new doctor. I'm sorry. This is your health you're talking about. And do some research. You know, do some research. I mean, this day and age with uh, Internet, yes, I'm not saying go look like, especially when I do like genetic testing on a client, I'm like, do not go Google that genes. Yes. Because it's going to terrify you, mm-hmm. you know, but at least you can go. There is reputable, you know, websites that you can look up, educate yourself some information. And I got to tell you, some people that have been dealing with certain conditions throughout the years, sometimes they are more educated on that condition than the doctors. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the specialized doctor, but the GP Sometimes the patient is more knowledgeable because they've dug through, they've researched, they've seen so many different specialists that they know more than the regular GP would. Well, yeah, that makes sense because they have, I mean, it's, it's living in their body, this pain, right? So they are really motivated to learn as much as they can about it. Yeah. Um, When you were talking, one of the things I also started thinking about was, and back to the beginning of our conversation, when you talked about how your, the, your neurology changes in the way you experience and perceive pain. And I, I know one of the things that can happen is when someone has had chronic pain for a long time, the narrative starts being written of like, oh, well, this is all in your head. Sometimes, yeah. So how can patients advocate for themselves in that way and say like, and use that as sort of a springboard to maybe getting to the root of what's actually going on there. Does that question make sense? Uh, It does. And it's, you know, it's really, it's a fine line because Mm -hmm. 
sometimes there there was a book oh my god there was a book by these doctors and there are a group of like massage therapists right now that they're taking all these seminars where they say all your pain is coming from your head and that's all you need to treat sometimes yes that's all it is but there is a fine line of okay is it everything coming you know from their head is it in their head or it's actually pain you know because their body is just overly stimulated the pain receptors are so like sometimes they're overly sensitized that even me touching your skin it's going to cause you so much pain like i put a fire on your skin right that's how it becomes but because of long-term chronic pain that's one of the things can happen it becomes overly sensitive you know sensitive i had a client who um had a appendix surgery they had to open four times exact same spot she couldn't even have a heavy blanket on her skin right so all i had to do is for like i think five sessions all we did is get a vibrator which is a precursor mm-hmm. and i had like a thick layer of um towel away from her like other side of her belly i would put it on it because i had to desensitize it i had to reawaken you know calm things down it took us about five sessions until slowly i was able to put the vibrator on that area and finally we were able to release that but yeah. those are the things can happen but again it's patient by patient base i don't know like sometimes a client may say something and that would trigger a thing in my head is like oh yeah it's like coming from their heads it's you know or it's no it's actually physical thing mm-hmm. in their in their body yeah And that part that you just said about it being so individual is essential, right? Like, yes, we see general trends and that's what, that's what the medical community is based on. But yes, everyone's experience is so different and complicated and we do experience pain in our head and that that's where the, the neuroreceptors are for, for the pain chemicals and the pain response, right? And they're also, but in step, like, I know I have inflammation that mm-hmm. is actually like presents itself in the tissue in this next situation that I have. But I also know that my pain receptors are experiencing it. And it makes perfect sense when you talked about when our nervous system is on overdrive as it is when we're experiencing pain, because it's our brain is our our brain is constantly trying to filter it um, it's yeah is firing which is super energy expensive so we have less energy to flow to the necessary functions of our body and and that's why it's exhausting because yeah. of not only our experience of it but the physical um reactions and structures that are happening in in our bodies and yeah. I wonder, have you seen a difference in the way women experience pain 
before menopause, after menopause, during, um, do you see any transitions there or is it just sort of different stages? Oh, it's, oh, it, you know, I feel for the doctors that work with women, those, you know, that age, like between 40 and let's say 60, because there is no specific, these are the symptoms. This is what you do because every woman you talk to, they all had different symptoms. They're going through different things. You know, earlier I mentioned to you, I just traveled mm -hmm. with uh, two other friends who, you know, um, it's my friend age wise, my friend, me, and then the other friend, but I'm the only one who's been through full, I'm full menopause and I'm do a happy dance every time. <laughs> But they're both in perimenopause. And it was so funny on our trip, they're both was, they're like, it's going to be that time of the month. And, but watching their symptoms, how different it was, it was cracking me up, just like looking from the outside. And then I was comparing to what I was going through and my, like there were three friends and we all had completely different symptoms. And imagine you go to a doctor and you're like, I'm having this, 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 this. And uh, how do you deal with it? You know, how do you come up with a solution with just that? Because in our Western medicine is symptoms equals diagnosis equals treatment. But with the perimenopause, women go through so many different symptoms that um, yes, some, there, is, there is a major overlap, but sometimes it just doesn't make sense. You know, mm -hmm. like the hormonal headaches, yeah, we all had hormonal headaches. Um, but when I was going through my perimenopause stage, overnight, I woke up and my hair was curly. Like, you can see I have wavy hair. Mm -hmm. But overnight, my hair was curly. For like eight, nine months, I had to learn to, to live with how to deal with curly, curly hair. Yeah. And then eight, nine months later, overnight, I woke up and my hair was back to my wavy hair. Yeah. It's, you know, so it's very different, but, you know, there are... There are general things like you can do for yourself. Like, um, I told you I'm very, I consider myself very fortunate. My transition to menopause was the, like the easiest. I had, I think like two hot flushes. And the only downside was I gained a lot of weight. But other than that, amazing. Yeah. You know? absolutely easy easy but i do see like some clients you know for 10 years they're having these hot flushes and they have to go through all these things and then so many times they're like as soon as i turn 50 or 45 i started getting all these body pains which mm -hmm. is you know since we're talking about pain is estrogen has so many protective qualities that once the estrogen goes down, yes, all these things start happening. And you're like, oh my God, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm going old. And because of that, all these things are happening. But 
there are natural ways you can yes. do lifestyle changes, dietary changes, you know, maybe temporary, like some supplements, or even, you know, for some people, they do have to go on a hormone replacement therapy or bioidentical mm -hmm. hormone therapy. Yep. I don't know. It's whatever works for you. Do it so you can have the quality of your life. Yes. You know, that's the most important. It's the quality of your life. So your family yes. doesn't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so that you get to live the way you want to, right? Like uh, it's one of the ways I'm working around framing this time is that it is a time of liberation where you get to choose. And I'm so glad you brought up what happens in the body when estrogen starts to decline because you're right yeah estrogen and that is sorry that's also one of the things that isn't spoken out loud enough is that menopause is not just the cessation of bleeding it's not just the cessation of having a period estrogen impacts every single system in your body everyone <laughs> so yeah when it starts to decline and pain is revealed along the way. It's things that there were already there. And I went on a bit of a rant about this the other week, because the answer to that question, if we go and ask a, a medical professional, like this thing is happening, the answer is not, well, it's just part of being a woman. This is what happens when you're in menopause. That's not the right answer. And that's why we need a holistic community. And for, for, for women to know that they exist, there are people who have expertise in what happens in the body during menopause and perimenopause. And when we come together and create holistic networks, there is so much you can do to liberate yourself and feel good and live the way you want to for the remainder of your health span. Agree. I t absolutely agree. You know, it's just the universe's way, your body's way, how yes. women's body design is like, okay, the time for you to create another life is over. Yes. That's the only time it's over. Now your adrenals take over producing those hormones. But because in our, you know, society, the lifestyle we live, we're burning our adrenals. Yes. So then, okay, what's going to take over? You know, yeah. so it's just educating that it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Go through it. But we want something like tomorrow mm -hmm. or yesterday. No, it's a process. Your adrenals didn't burn, went into exhaustion or adrenal brain burnout overnight. It happened throughout the years. Yes. Let's take, um, I loved, I think one time I created a, on a Canva, like a social media thing, it showed the body and it said, I'm not Amazon. Like I cannot do overnight delivery. Oh. You know? <laughs> like it's, it's a process. It's going to yes. take time mm -hmm. to go through the process. Yeah. You know, not force your body to kind of reverse its things that we've abused it and used that so much. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful and such an important perspective around time, right? And because we want everything, you're you're absolutely right. That ex that example is so so bang on. About, or yeah, our bodies are not Amazon. 
<laughs> I, mean, I will remember that one and give you credit for it. Um, but the, it's settling ourselves, detaching from this need to have everything fixed immediately and actually know that it's not like we're not trying to fix ourselves. This is we're trying to heal, which is very different. Well, right. Be yeah, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Um, you know, I love that you said fix ourselves because when you're saying that there is, and there's an English word that I cannot think of, that you're saying that you're broken, that you need to fix it. Yeah. But we're not broken. It's just the process we're going through. So mm -hmm. also using, and you know, some people are more open to the spiritual, how mm -hmm. they look at the body or the energetically, like, um, I'm very aware of the words I use, like uh, very aware of, okay, I need to reframe. Um, there was a book I'm reading. It's, um, it says, never use the words don't. There's three words you, you don't use, you don't want to use. Like, mm -hmm. uh, because our brain cannot understand the negative. Like when you say, you know how like uh, you hear children when they go to bed, you say, um, I don't want you to think of white bunnies. I don't want you to think of white bunnies. And that, that's the only thing the kid is going to think of because our brain cannot understand the don't. It okay. hears only the part that comes afterwards. So like when um, we, we always tell or we hear people say, you don't want to say, I don't want this. You actually say what you want. Yes. Because that's what goes out to the universe. That's energy. So you yes. always say the positive of it. Yes. And the same thing, you know, it's like, don't say, I'm, it's like sometimes clients say, oh, I'm a mess. I'm like, don't say that. You're not. Uh -huh. Right now, and one of the things, actually, I learned this from a lady who teaches grief. Um, she's uh, She went through her uh, husband passed on on her 40th birthday on, I think, Christmas Day. Mm. Um, her husband, a firefighter, passed away. So she's a grief counselor. Uh, so she teaches, and she also teaches what to say to people that are going through grief and what not to say, which was very eye-opening. But um, one of the things that, and it just it totally went out of my head, what I was going to say. We'll come back. Uh, <laughs> completely, <laughs> I lost it. Yeah. Um, anyway, but, you know, it's all about the energy. It's yes. how you look at things. You know, if you say, oh, I'm, I'm this, and I usually tell my, oh, that was one thing. And she said she teaches medical community. I'm glad I remember. Yeah. Do not ask your patients how, how you're doing. You ask them, how are you doing today? Yes. And since um, I attended her webinar since then, that's one of the things I do. How are you doing today? Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of us had that realization during COVID because when you asked someone during that time, Hey, how are you? Like, how are you supposed to answer that question? <laughs> uh, I am all things at all at the same time. And yeah, one of the things I started saying was like, 
how are you in this moment? Yeah, like just, that's just, good. just right now. Like what's happening right now? Because yeah. if we think about the global context, it's too much. Right. Yeah. yeah like as, as, how do you answer? Yeah. As we're recording this, you know, we're, we're in the holiday season and there are really horrific active conflicts happening all over the world and and there's a climate crisis and there's all of there's all of these things and so to say how are you doing to respond as a human operating on planet earth right now is almost impossible yeah but when we how are you doing yeah (laughs) yeah it's a it's a tough one but you have to just kind of i think take your because for all of us ours even the tiny little things are major for us, mm-hmm. yeah, when you look at it in a larger perspective of what's going on some other parts of the world or how someone else's life is like, oh my God, compared to them, I'm so, you know, never compare mm-hmm. yourself to anyone else. But at the same time, you know, you just kind of look within you yes. and just just be grateful for the really good stuff and then the other stuff it just kind of um sometimes it works out on its own or um takes time to work out you know yeah and i wonder i wonder if we were able to tune into ourselves and just really be like how am i in this moment and just do that. Like, I know we talk about it. it's just moment to moment, but the rea- but it is true. Like that is the reality. And if we could stop being so compulsive as a, as a society around yeah. what's coming and really just live moment to moment, that's how we start to rewire that our brains so that we're not in constant adrenal overdrive and fatigue and nervous system overwhelm because it's something I've had to start to implement because I can, I can very easily spin out and go down that road of like, uh, what's going to happen. But when I stop and in this moment, look outside and the sky is blue and the sun is shining and I see trees at my window and I'm talking to this awesome human, my life in this moment is beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. No, I I love that. I love that at this moment. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Because then people will like stop and think for a moment. It's like, oh, this moment, actually, I'm good. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Instead of just a general. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Well, you and I could talk forever. (laughs) I absolutely think so. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your expertise in this episode. Uh, For anyone who wants to connect, I will make sure that all of your information is down below. And I also want to celebrate you in that you have a, you have contributed to a best selling book, which is real. How exciting is that? Right. So it's called business life in the universe which yes. sounds really fascinating. I'm going to go check it out after, after this episode, but congratulations on the impact that you're having in the world. I'm so, I'm so glad to have met you. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm so grateful for meeting you. I'm grateful for having me here, allowing me to share my passion with your audience and hopefully they would walk away with 
taking something away from our conversation and uh, taking charge of their own health. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the takeaways are absolutely around advocacy, asking questions and not accepting answers that don't get to healing and stay at treatment. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at LBoat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome, explorers of the human experience. This is Let's Talk Soul, and I'm your host, Claudia Monticelli. We're not afraid of the great mysteries of existence here. Soul versus consciousness, we're on it. Spirituality versus science, we've got that covered too. Join us in navigating these profound topics with wisdom, curiosity, and a dash of audacity. Whether you're a spiritual veteran or just starting your journey, Let's Talk Soul is your passport to the unknown. Let's Talk Soul, diving into the depths of the human spirit. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.